Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ, and welcome to The Spirit of EQ podcast. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. After this podcast, listen for a special opportunity to learn more. Today, we have a very special guest, Jeremy Jensen, who is the Assistant Police Chief of the Dubuque Police Department in Dubuque, Iowa. And joining me, as always, is Jeff East with the Spirit of EQ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric. Hi, Jeremy. Jeff. Hello. Oh, hello. hello. I'm sorry I cut you off there, <laughs> Jeremy. Uh, but from that perspective, I want to let Jeff kind of tell the audience a little bit. How did you meet? How do you know Jeremy? Okay. All that good stuff. I got to meet Jeremy at a... Uh, an emotional intelligence conference uh, sponsored by uh, Six Seconds. You've heard us talk about them. Uh, we're a preferred partner. And just kind of got to know them by accident. We stayed in the same hotel, and we ate at the same breakfast table and gave them some rides, and we were in some of the groups together. And and I found out that Dubuque, Iowa, is doing something I think is really, really cool and very interesting. They're introducing emotional intelligence into the whole city government, my understanding. And I think the police department was the first area that you worked with. Is that true, Jeremy? Yeah, the police department, that's, well, that's because that's where I work. So that's uh, uh-huh. that's where we introduced it first. Uh, under, uh, we started out just as a kind of a self-knowledge thing about now over 10 years ago now with just officers just trying to get them to figure out how they can uh, talk to people better. Okay, and then I got to meet Rick and... Mary, was that her name? Nancy. Nancy. Rick and Nancy. Rick is a is a, is just a patrol officer or not. I don't want to say just a patrol officer because that's not the right way to say that. Is one of your patrol officers, correct? Yeah, Rick was actually, at the time, was our D.A.R.E. officer. Oh, okay. All right. And then Nancy worked with the uh, water department, and I, I hear that she's moved on to something else but is still kind of involved with it. 
That's correct. She retired, and but she stayed. One of her things was that she wanted to stay involved, so that's why she was at Boston. Oh, very cool. So after after getting to know know them real a little bit better during that weekend, and coming to find out that uh, emotional intelligence is getting introduced into law enforcement in their city, it just really struck me. And what really struck me with with all three of them was their enthusiasm and passion about what they're doing there and some of the results. So hopefully we can touch on those as we go through the podcast today. Uh, anything you'd like to add, uh, Jeremy? No, no, that, that's good. I mean, that's, that's exactly where, what I want to talk about. <laughs> okay. Well, why don't we start off you know, your current role as assistant chief? What are some of the other roles and maybe how long you've been with the department? I've been, I've been with in Dubuque for almost, well, 26 years at the end of March. Okay. And then I've been in law enforcement going on my 29th year. So um, I've pretty much done everything there is in law enforcement. I mean, I started out in small towns and then I worked at sheriff's department, worked in a jail, um, worked in Dubuque, worked on patrol, worked traffic enforcement, criminal investigations, community policing, tactical stuff. I, again, just about everything there is, is to do. And then I've held, uh, I've been promoted up through the ranks. So we have, corporal lieutenants, captains, and then um, now I'm assistant chief, and I've been doing that for about two years. Okay. So you should have a very good perspective of everything that's going on in law enforcement with what you've done. What What is yeah. it that, that got you into law enforcement? What drew you to the field? Quite honestly, it was a whim. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I literally was on an engineering track, and I didn't like it, and was struggling with it, and um, I, I started out at a community college and the day before I, uh, classes started, I changed my major to law enforcement cause it just sounded cool <laughs> and they tried to talk me out of it and I did it anyway. So been at it ever since. <laughs> was it, you just wanted to drive cars fast. Was that what it was? Drive cars fast, turn on lights, you know, that kind of yeah, stuff. Okay. It's, all, it's all fun, right? You know, I've, I've, I've talked to several people in law enforcement. That's how they kind of got into it. They didn't really know. And then. Obviously, I think you know from talking with you and your your time that it must be something that you really love doing. Yeah, I mean, I never thought of doing anything different, really. Okay, so you know, I know you've you've got a lot of experience. Can you think of one or two things that were your most gratifying experiences you had in working in law enforcement? You know, it it's that's a tough question because it it really is. You know, it's 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 hard to put uh, an instance on it because you have you have to. There's so much bad that goes on that you really have to kind of find those little things that give you joy. Uh-huh. You know, so, so now you know, like now in my current role, the most satisfying thing, you know, I have is it, there are a couple of satisfying things in, in my current role. I'm able to, to affect change. You know, and and you don't feel like that when you first get in the lawn. Can I do a lot of change? But now I can affect change within the department. But I also you know, I kind of live vicariously. Like somebody asked me if I missed the street. And at this point, I don't really miss working the street as much as because I get to know everything that goes on. So I can live vicariously through everybody and, and, and doing that. So I, really, to me, that's gratifying at this point. Like I said, early on, it's, you know, different things. You know, you may get a big, big arrest or um, you may help somebody that really would appreciative of it, you know. Um, but those are the things that you just kind of, you kind of just relish and, and, you have to, to, you know, 
keep those things to you because, like I said, there's a lot of bad things that happen in between. Okay, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit. So do you think introducing emotional intelligence is going to help your officers when they have to deal with, with those bad things? I know that, you know, there's, you know, getting into the situations with somebody that's uh, committed a crime, but you get into some other not fun situations. Do you think this is something? I think for the officers themselves, I think it, it, this is, emotional intelligence is more than just what I started, you know, started at this whole idea. I was working in internal affairs and my number one complaint was rude and unprofessional. And this is back in, in the 2008 range. And, and I, as I'm looking at it, it's really like, it's not like they're doing anything wrong. It's just how they're, how, you know, officers are talking to people and, and, uh, how the, the public's interacting with officers. But what I got to find out was that officers really don't, uh, they, they're not really aware of what they're bringing to the table for communications, what's in their background. Okay. So like, you know, the, yeah, historically, I mean, we've hired white males, early twenties from, that went to college and they really didn't have a, but to understand what diversity that they are bringing to the table. And, and we're dealing, we're dealing with a diverse population and we're just running in this where we just couldn't communicate. And, you know, traditional law enforcement sense of, you know, I'm in charge. I took control of this. Uh, you need to listen to me. Uh, wasn't working. So we really started, we started down that road of that self-knowledge part component of it. And eventually went into um, um, personal empowerment, which is just the next level of that. And now we're getting into emotional intelligence, which is the whole person and the whole being and really trying to figure out, you know, how help officers navigate through their every single day. I mean, I eventually ended up getting a master's degree in communication because I like this stuff so much. <laughs> well, good for you. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that really, and, and my whole um, master's practicum was on this whole idea of that uh, um, there's a, we're bringing a power dynamic to the table for communication. So the officers need to understand you know, what's setting them off and what's triggering them and, and how they're communicating with people. So this is really the way to do that. And, and majority of their day is spent communicating with people a lot more than they use force, you know? So this is something that they need to learn to do well and navigate well. You know, it's interesting, Jeremy, I, I was thinking about what you were talking about. Um, and um, I know like with my son, I, I always told him as he was growing up, I said, there's really uh, only two words you use with a law enforcement professional. Yes, sir. And um, though he laughed a little bit, I, we really kind of took, I, I took the time with him to kind of illustrate that, you know, whenever you're being pulled over or being asked by a police officer, a law enforcement uh, professional to do something, um, you want to have de-escalation in your mind. You don't mm -hmm. want to find trouble. You don't want to... Uh, uh, pound your te your chest or or be defensive those kind of things. So I'm imagining because of the different stories that we've seen and heard, um, where day in and day out uh, officers are confronted with maybe folks who are not emotionally intelligent and maybe kind of do feel like, hey, I should be able to get back in your face and escalate. Um, right. ha has Emotional intelligence in the the world that you run has that helped officers be better at uh, managing relationships, uh, even though sometimes they are 
kind of hostile, not necessarily violent, but just hostile in nature? Oh, yeah. You know, the big buzzword in law enforcement is de-escalation, which is I, I, I kind of find it kind of funny having worked in small towns where they, you learned how to navigate those situations because you didn't want to get your butt kicked because you didn't have any backup close, close by. <laughs> so, you know, now it's like it's this, oh, de-escalation. Wow, what a novel idea. You know, but it, it really, de-escalation is emotional intelligence. If, yeah. you, if you look at that and for our officers to be able to, for one, just to kind of put them, be able to put themselves, use the empathy component, put themselves in somebody else's shoes, you know, this may be the worst thing that's ever happened or you don't understand or spend more time talking to them and finding out what's going on. You know, it may not really be the officer they're mad at, you know, yeah. it might be three situations ago. That's the carryover. So having officers spend more time and, and really just trying to, to talk, sometimes it doesn't work, but for the most part it does. And so they have the officers be able to, and then on the flip side, know themselves enough to know when they're triggered, you know, yeah. and we all have triggers or something or, or knowing that, um, another myth in law enforcement was law enforcement academies used to teach, you know, when you leave work, you shut that off and you go home. And when you take, you know, you leave home and you go to work, you know, you shut off the home life. Mm -hmm. We all know that ain't, you can't do that. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> has that switch mm -hmm. in their brain to do it. And yeah. so they have officers able to, to understand that, recognize that, recognize that they're having, you know, they're being triggered or they're being, they're having a, being emotionally hijacked. You know, they they can, it helps them navigate, but it also helps their people they're working with recognize it and can help inter intervene with it too. Yeah. Cause I, uh, you know, kind of again, going back to my son and, and the, yeah. uh, the idea of, uh, when you, in, in our case being pulled over and in his case, speeding a lot, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think back to the times that I've been pulled over, uh, and what, kind of emotions were flowing through me when I saw the lights, you know, and I knew that the officer was looking for me. Right. And I could right. probably realize that I was going too fast or, or, or even if I wasn't maybe consciously speeding and just that the fear, the apprehension, um, the frustration, all that stuff's flowing through you. Um, I just think it's great if the more emotionally intelligent officers that are out there, and in your case, obviously in Dubuque, that maybe they're conscious that that's probably some of the stuff that's flowing through me, which might help them as they approach me. Right. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you're recognizing that. Yeah. It's nobody wants to be pulled over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, know you, you, you kind of take that for granted. It's like, well, you got pulled over. Why are you so upset? You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like there's that factor just in and of itself. I just got stopped, but you don't know the backstory. There may be more going on. Mm -hmm. And, and really if we're in the business of truly helping people, you know, some of that is to, to help them navigate some of that emotion too, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of a byproduct of it, but it really is. And it's, it's, you know, they always say the best cops, they can talk, you know, talk them out of anything, you know, but it, they're really, the best cops are really the emotional intelligence cops emotionally intelligent. I mean, they, they're just good at it. You know, they do it naturally, but we, we found that not, it's a very small percentage that does it naturally, but there's a very big percentage that we can reach and teach how to, how to use the uh, emotional intelligence principles. Yeah. Cause it is learnable. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. this wasn't something that I was even thinking about until we started talking, you know, 
for a lot of people, one of their favorite shows is the Andy Griffith show. And yeah. I, I, I do the contrast between Andy and Barney. Which one of those was emotionally intelligent and which one of them wasn't? <laughs> you right. Think, yeah. You know, Andy didn't even carry a gun. <laughs> no. No, and, and that's that's it because he could talk to everybody. And again, it doesn't that's and there's an old stigma in law enforcement that used to be that, you know, those are those cops are gonna get killed, those are the cops that are too soft. And and really it, it's the opposite of that. It, it really can be, you know, Randy didn't carry a gun. I get that. But for the most part, it doesn't mean that the officer isn't still able to make the arrest or use force when necessary, but it, it diminishes the whole idea that maybe we have to use force. We may be able to talk to somebody, spend another 20 minutes talking to them. And in the end, nobody goes to jail or, or, or you know, the problem gets solved and, and it doesn't escalate. And we have just now, have a new, or at least that officer has a person that now respects them and that they can talk to, you know, another step towards that police community relation. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to talk with some officers and I'm also involved in, a, in a, a, a prison ministry. So I get to know the corrections officers, which aren't in the same thing, but they have some of the same situations. And I've heard from both of them that they, some, you know, they've said, we'll let the other person decide how it's going to end up and you know right. how they respond um you know if if they act calmly and anyway it, you know because i am in this ministry i get to talk to a lot of of, of the, the inmates and they talk about the COs that they respect because that's how they act they right. they they go into it and respond instead of react yeah, but what you just said, you know, that even that for law enforcement, we got to get past some of that. Let them dictate how, you know, whether they're, they're going to decide whether they go to the jail or not by how they they act. Well, you know, if somebody we know that if somebody's triggered or emotionally hijacked, they can't get out of that without help, mm-hmm. you know, or or time. And and a lot of times, law enforcement encounters are not are time sensitive. We ain't going to sit there for four hours. Why you do that, you know? So it really is an ability for us to be able to help somebody through that. And our goal is, is crime prevention. That is our goal. If you never commit a crime. So if I can talk you down or I can talk you into where you can even start a little bit thinking about, you know, what triggers you, mm-hmm. that, that helps us in the long run. You know, we, we're not going to deal with that person day. And, or the next time I deal with them, we're going to have a, a more positive interaction because, we're able to talk to each other, you know. That's I think with the kind of situations that you know people in your profession have to deal with, you know, when they you know when something very minor could turn into a life or death to to keep it at that minor uh, mm-hmm. thing is so important. And um, yeah, and I can see where that you know the the use of the tools that emotional intelligence give you can can help that. So we've already talked about some of the driving factors. What were some of the the factors, if you have any factors specific to the Dubuque department that really got the idea of emotional intelligence in there? I know you. you well, it, like I said, the the number one thing that started it was that rude and unprofessional. It's like just there's just no reason why we should be at this level of getting all these complaints on rude and unprofessional. Again, 
um, tactically we're doing everything right, but it's just how we're talking to people. That started that route. The second thing that started it is we're looking at uh, revamping our field training program. And, and as we know, I mean, there's generational differences. We have boomers all the way down to Gen Z now in, in our workforce. And there's some generational things. And law enforcement traditionally has been with the training program, you will learn and you will adapt to us. Well, that doesn't work. Hmm. Uh, we're finding, I mean, it just doesn't. And what I was getting feedback from our field training officers was, was I just can't connect with them in the car. I'm having trouble one-on-one in that confined space of the squad car day in and day out for four, four to five weeks. And I, I can't connect with them. And as I started looking at that, that's what started us down the personal empowerment route. It's like, I know some people involved in that, talk to them. And it's like, oh my goodness, this could really help us. So in that realm, we trained our field training officers first and the feedback from that was fabulous. And they're like, oh my gosh, why didn't I have this before? Mm. So since then, that was, that was in a partnership with the University of Dubuque that we did that. And Liza Johnson, who went to six seconds with us, She's a personal empowerment person at University. Of I, I'm glad Duke, you mentioned. Now, I'm glad you mentioned her. I was. I forgot about her. I met her too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, one of the people. And we had three people from the University of Dubuque there. But Liza drives that, and so we've taken this collaboration to the next step now. So now with the six seconds, we've, you know, personal empowerment was great, and it, it's more uh, concept driven and kind of some things, but it's not that one on one assessments that we're we're getting out of. Um, the training we have now. And that's really where we think the power is going to lie is that one-on-one being able to sit down and, and talk to somebody, not in a group setting where they got to kind of figure it out and navigate it themselves, where they're actually going to uh, get the one-on-one attention and really have help individually working through it. So have you seen, I don't know if you have any numbers that uh, can back up what you're saying. Do you, do you, do you see any difference in the actual like end of the year the complaints are down numbers. Yeah, I don't have the stats in front of me, but at the time, I, I want to say I was dealing with probably 35 to 40 of those no uh, a year, and now it may be less than 10 uh, on the rude and unprofessional. Uh, it's just, it just has changed. And, and the ones that are, you know, and, and the other thing we have, you know, that comes into this is body cameras. Uh huh. But, you know, it, but, that actually is good because the officers understand that. So they, they want to act, you know, yeah. because they know they're being recorded, but they want to be able to, to deal with that. And they, they recognize now with being police footage that, you know, people are a lot more positive about cops that'll sit there and talk to people and try to work through the problem as opposed to the one that goes instantly to a taser, you know? Yeah. So I think they're, they get it. Um, we had no pushback. We ended up training our whole department in personal empowerment uh, about nine months after our field training officers, and we really had no pushback on it. Wow, you know, that's great. And some people like, wow, it's common sense. Well, yeah, it kind of is, but yeah. not for a lot of people. Well, the other thing I was thinking about too, Jeremy, um, from the perspective, and this has been something I've, uh, it's been resonating in my head and sharing it with a lot of people is about the idea, uh, the difference between judgment and curiosity. And this idea that um, judgment is quick and it's easy, but oftentimes lacks the right amount of information or data to really make a decision. Whereas Mm -hmm. curiosity is that desire to learn, to understand. And um, there's a local uh, police uh, 
suburban police department. Uh, and I, I know the lady and, and her son and they live in a fairly, uh, you know, it's a nice neighborhood type situation. And, um, she was, uh, scheduled to pick him up, uh, to take him to, uh, uh, basketball practice and uh, she was running late uh, and he just decided he was just going to go ahead and, you know, jog around over to the gym and just do it by foot. So one of the officers that was patrolling the area saw him and he's an African-American male um, and he was dressed, you know, just in, you know, I, I don't know exactly his attire, but I'm sure it was what you would expect for someone who's going to play basketball practice, that kind of thing. So I guess they pulled him over or asked him to stop. And at first it was just, you know, kind of an inquiry. And then it turned into, uh, you know, we need you to put your things down and we need to, I mean, they really got fairly aggressive with him. And I'm Mm -hmm. certainly not one of those types that takes one incident and says that's the norm, but it did get me thinking. Um, And how is it that that particular officer um, sort of leapt to that conclusion um, and again, I want to stress to you and the audience as well, one incident does not make for a trend or the norm. However, there's an opportunity to learn, right? right. So um, I was just, you know, when you were talking about that and all the things that you've done, um, has the feedback from the officers uh, that have gone through this, uh, has it been, um, I mean, I'm certain that it's probably been positive, However, has it been uh, a case of where they've said, I now have tools to handle more situations or what are some of the things that they're saying after going through it? Yeah. And I think the the best way to describe it. So, you know, we're taught in at the law enforcement academies, we're, we're taught some things that that situation you described is exactly classic textbook law enforcement. You know, so as they're taught again, not using emotional intelligence and and Mm -hmm. prior to this de-escalation kick was, you know, you're in charge. You take charge of the situation. Okay. You, they will do what you're told. Anything in their hands can hurt you. You know, well, you know, that's a pretty broad statement, but anything in their hands, so hands out of the pocket, keep your hands out of your pocket. Let me see your hands, put your stuff down. Let me talk to you here. You need to identify yourself. I, why? You know, I'm the police. You need to listen to me. So identify yourself. Tell me who you are. You know, I have a right to know who that is. This, you see that how this is starting to amp up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that situation as I'm doing that, but that's how, how cops are taught initially. That's my point with this is that if that cop comes in now, add an emotional intelligence piece to that, you know, which is, I can still take charge and still explain to you what's going on. Right. Hmm. By by the nature of my badge and my uniform, I have a power dynamic already there. So I pull up and say, Hey, here's what's going on here. You know, I saw you running. We had some burglaries in this neighborhood here and, you know, where, well, I'm headed to the gym, got to meet my mom. Oh, that's great. You know, you changes, it changes the whole conversation into this from this converse, you know, confrontational, you know, show me your hands, you know, or even that to, to basically, Hey, can you just keep your hands on your pockets? I just don't, you know, I don't want to have to pat you down. I don't know what you have in your pockets. I don't know that, you know, I just, it's my safety thing. It's I'm, I'm paranoid and it's, it's putting it back on me, not on you, you know? And it's like, I'm just that way. And, and as you talk through these problems and recognizing, but then, as I'm being curious, you know, because that's the nature of our job, we should be curious because that's how we solve crimes. It, it, but it's, you know, asking the question. And eventually you find out that he's just jogging, running to the gym. I just left this house up here and I'm heading there. This is what I got going on, you know, and, and it's not this, 
or I'm already assuming that a burglary just happened because you got a backpack, you're leaving this neighborhood, you don't fit the neighborhood, quote unquote, you know, and, and that thing. So that's, that changes that, you know, and we, we as law enforcement, even to that scenario, had to, had to change that we have to ask a lot of questions. You know, we, we got our dispatchers asking now, and they said, there's two black males standing on a corner. We got our dispatchers asking, well, what are they doing? You know, in and of itself, because traditionally in law enforcement, we're told you got to respond. If somebody calls, you have to respond. Well, no, not necessarily. So we're changing even that. It's a cultural change for us. Wow. That's great. That's great. And, and so just that cultural change you're doing, I think emotional intelligence would be able to play a major part in that with the, absolutely. Yeah. To, to start understanding, you know, what, you know, when Eric and I talk with clients, you know, basically we're telling them that emotional intelligence helps you make better decisions and yeah. um, making a decision to change how you do things, you know, is something emotional intelligence can help if you can show them that there is a benefit to it. Um, just going to go well, back. The benefit to them is that they're not getting complaints. They're not getting, you know, internal affairs investigations. They're, I mean, they're strictly from just that point of view, but they're also finding out that things go so much easier. They're not rolling around you know, on the they, ground with someone. Yeah, I don't get hurt because I'm rolling. Anytime you roll around, you get hurt some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and so I'm not getting hurt. I'm not using force, which is most likely to get me, you know, looked at. I'm not, uh, again, I, the, the backside benefit is I, I use emotional intelligence when I talk to this person. Next time I deal with them, the conversation is going to be easier. I mean, that's, it really does work that way. And to have that, have that in your toolbox is just, it's, it's a good tool. It's an, it's a very necessary tool. Like I said, we train a lot of, we got all this stuff in our tool belt, you know, our gun belt that we train a lot too, but we don't train a lot in communication. And that's, that's, uh, that's where emotional intelligence comes in. I think in one of the discussions I had with you before, you mentioned that there's very little of this, like when an officer is attending academy, that this right. is just not very much. Do uh, you think that should, this should be a major component now? I absolutely believe so. I, and again, this is a cultural change. You know, de-escalation's coming in. It's a step in the right direction, but de-escalation is literally just a small portion of emotional intelligence. You know, okay. and so I mean, for us, we're training. We're gonna, we're training our new officers in emotional intelligence, and and we're going to even be taking it. You know, another step with and doing these one-on-ones with them. But yeah, the academies. Um, you know, again, I said recognizing, and, and my research says that 97% of the day will be spent in communication, but they spend two hours on de-escalation in 17 weeks, you know, and, you know, it's, I think there's a, for one, it's just missing the boat. <laughs> it's a missed opportunity for, for officers to really become the officer that, you know, the officer's like, man, that guy can talk to anybody. Well, you could learn how to do that through emotional intelligence. Have you noticed the attitude or the, the, I don't know, I put down happiness in my notes, but the attitude maybe of the officers, is it, is it helping them in general as a, as a person learning this? I, I think so. I think what you see is the officers, not so um, us against them mentality. That, that's a, that's a stressor to begin with. And, and again, another thing we're taught culturally, you know, with the thin blue line, between good and evil, we're the, the sheep dogs watching over the sheep, you know, and we kind of start out with this. That's kind of a level of stress, 
you know, if you think about it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the officers, they have the ability to go out and just like, you know what, you just, you just need to, um, when you just talk to people, it isn't all about the arrest. It's about, you know, it's true. We're trying really truly getting back to helping people. We're really, that's what we're here for. You know, that's really encouraging. That's what really interested me. Um, so you, have you had much resistance to introducing this, um, maybe to the, you know, people my age, the boomers, the older ones, or, uh, even in the, the, the citizens that think maybe, well, you're not going to be tough on crime if you do this. No, I think it's the opposite. For one, it's the opposite with the citizens. The citizens love it. Uh, we did some media stuff with it when we did the personal empowerment, and the feedback was incredible on on that. Uh, the officers themselves, for the most part, get it, and they understand why. Uh, you know, I mean, you have some people that are just resistant about, you know, um, learning about themselves. You know, they want to hide themselves. They want to do that. But for the most part, the officers themselves – Feedback's been great on it. Um, when we do even when we were doing the self knowledge part, officers would tell us, "They go, I never really even thought about that. You know, thought about what's really important to me. You know, how do I ident- identify?" And that was um, something that we got a lot of good feedback out of because, again, yeah, I mean, I identify as this. So if I strongly identify, you know, as a father, you know, and I go into a, a situation where somebody is doesn't you know you almost look at that as it could be a trigger for me how come you're not you know you're not identifying strongly as a father you should you have kids you should be a father you know it's it's implied it's um putting my my values on you you know so that that's where emotional intelligence helps navigate that so jeremy um one of the things that uh, i've thought about with law enforcement is just how stressful a job it is in general and trying to to think about, you know, if your day in and day out is going out. And even though you're obviously taking a mindset of helping uh, the citizens, it's still a very stressful job because uh, at this point in time, there's always going to be someone who's going to make a bad decision that leads to a crime that leads to obviously having to be um, arrested or apprehended or whatever you want to call it. So have you found for yourself personally, even though I know you're not on the street day in and day out, has emotional intelligence helped you managing uh, the stress that that is inevitable just being uh, a police officer? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you you look at just, so even like my job now, you know, majority is personnel, you know, and that, that can be stressful. Yeah. And, and and, and so to understand, you know, where, where is somebody coming from? You know, it's easy to say, you know, buck it up, get back out there. Uh, you know, come on, you know, you've done, done this a million times, but to really start to look at what's going on with somebody mm-hmm. for me help, helps navigate that. But it, as far as the stressors, you know, if you, you do a simple think, um, think, feel, act exercise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We're very familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do that, and it's a, it's amazing. I um I, I volunteer coach, and I did it without even thinking about it. I did it with one of my uh, wrestlers the other day, and uh, did that whole exercise with him, and got done. I'm like, oh, I just walked you through this without even really. So I'm not even thinking about doing it. I'm just doing it. Mm. You know, mm. which which helped him and helped me help him. So one of the it things really really is good. 
one of the things that we always tell our clients is none of this does any good unless you do practice. And it sounds like you're doing the practice. Right. Uh, again, but now without thinking about it, which is really, to me, it was really kind of cool. Cause after I thought about it, I'm like, geez, I just helped yeah, actually helped him. Cause I was able to take it to the next step because I could essentially say, Hey, I worked with him on this. Well, you know what, Jeremy too, as, um, I'm thinking about it in our interactions with clients, uh, large or small groups or individuals, is reminding them that initially in making this change to becoming more emotionally intelligent, it, it, it'll kind of feel like walking upstairs backwards at first. Mm-hmm. But once you yep. put in the work and you practice, it'll become somewhat second nature to you. And you won't need to consult the booklet or the guide in order to do it it'll become a part of who you are. And that that's when it gets really, really powerful. It, it doesn't imply that you someday get to a place where you arrive. It just means it becomes a, just a part of who you are. And that's, that's really, really that's, powerful. That's where we want to go with our officers because it's not like this, you know, they, they have enough technical stuff they have to know that they don't want them to have to look in the book and say, okay, now I'm supposed to do this with you. You know, we <laughs> right. want to be second nature because for one, the flow of communication just becomes more natural that way. And, and it doesn't, it isn't this disjointed robotic, you know, I'm just, you know, reading the script kind of thing. It really becomes more organic and, and fluid. And again, people feel like they're being treated fairly that way. So Jeremy, uh, that's a good segue a bit. Uh, Cause I want to talk a little bit about diversity and you mentioned it early on as it relates to more diverse populations, could you speak a little bit about Dubuque's um, sort of what people groups, if I can call it that, typically are in that community? And then I want to ask you, as it relates to how is emotional intelligence maybe helped as you interact with people who are maybe from a different country or, again, maybe it's just a different racial background, those kind of things? Yeah, so Dubuque is just it's a little over 90 percent white. If that mm-hmm. <laughs> puts it in perspective. Yep. Uh, and when I, 20 some years ago, when I first came to Duke, it was probably 99% white. And so you're having a, when it comes to diversity, Dubuque really got caught up in some um, um, national news with, uh, with some of the uh, racial stuff back in the early nineties um, with a cross burning and some people went on national TV. So it, Dubuque really had this stigma about diversity. So Dubuque got into actually doing intercultural competency has been doing it for as long as I've been in Dubuque. So 20 some years. Uh, it's interesting because that a lot of the concepts are obviously the same as emotional intelligence. It's a little more specific, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes down to that. Uh, it didn't spend a lot of time on the self-knowledge component of it. Just more about just, you know, understanding like the die model and iceberg and things like that to understand those. But as we're, you know, working with a diversity, a diverse population, like I said, I, I, like I said, what we hire for police officers and we're becoming more diverse, but you know, understanding how to recruit a diverse population, it, it's fairly tough for law, it, for us in law enforcement because we were going all over the country. Well, you know, not everybody wants to move to Dubuque, Iowa. <laughs> right. We're finding out, you know, so um, we're, we're really, focusing our recruitment efforts on the colleges, which are tend to be fairly diverse along those lines. But 
where that comes in, where I'm long way around to get to this point of, I'm trying to say is that the diversity issue for us is that this is how we navigate our day in and day out because we don't, if you just, you know, race hits all the, hits the big headlines, but it really is. Everybody is more, is, is has a diversity that's different than mine. Even yes. if I look exactly alike or I came from the same town, but there may be a, a poverty thing. There may be, you know, uh, a religious thing. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that play into this. So for the officers to try to, again, to try to navigate that and understand that quickly, that there is that going on, that helps navigate. Again, the emotional intelligence part of it helps them to navigate uh, the conversation with that. And again, it doesn't force an issue into, um, you know, we'll deal with families that all they do is yell. You know, so when an officer gets there and all they're doing is yelling and officers tell them to be quiet, um, do you think that works? No. So, <laughs> yeah. You, and you, know, you know what, Jeremy? The officer to understand that that's, that's the norm. Yeah. You know, that's the norm for that family. So instead of me taking them all to jail for not listening or disorderly conduct or something like that to work through the actual issue mm-hmm. as opposed to, because it doesn't solve the problem if I just say, okay, you weren't quiet, you're not going to jail. Then solve the problem. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. You, you mentioned about diversity can be defined in multiple ways. Right. And, um, and a friend of mine who lives, uh, in his neighborhood, um, they were having issues with break-ins and most of the break-ins were happening with, um, uh, heroin addicts, uh, opiate and that kind of thing. And, uh, the typical profile, if I can use that term, was white male, uh, typically millennial, right? And I remember mm-hmm. we were having this conversation, and basically he said, you know, if I see an African American male walking down our neighborhood street uh, wearing whatever, I don't even think twice about it. Doesn't bother me at all. He said, if I see a little rough looking white male, unshaven, uh, kind of walking aimlessly, I'm on guard. Right. And that's that's a neighbor. That's a that's a that's a citizen. Right. And I think sometimes we forget that, you know, this diversity thing is split in many different ways. And that's what I love about emotional intelligence is that it allows you that or not allow it empowers you to approach people again with that mindset of curiosity. Why is that white middle, uh, you know, millennial male looking you know, unshaven, unkept, walking in this neighborhood that has houses that are at the higher end of the market in this particular city. What is he doing? Right. Uh, versus making that quick snap judgment that, oh, well, he's white, he's a millennial, he's a good kid. Let's just keep on going. Versus if it was someone who they saw that was Hispanic or, you know, whatever. Um, that's just, it, it leaps out to me. So I'm glad that you brought up that point about the, the multifaceted nature of diversity. Uh, I was going to say that, uh, you know, the diversity and, and for us as the officers understanding what their diversity is, you know, mm-hmm. again, it's just, you know, I'm 22 year old white male went to college here in Iowa. Well, my college experience may be different than yours. You know, mm-hmm. I, there may be a whole different thing that goes into that. And that's what we really want to, have the officers understand too is what they're bringing to the table. Yeah, that's great. All right. Um, if Eric doesn't have anything else, I, I don't have anything. Is there anything? I have one more question, but if you have anything else you'd like to add, 
Jeremy, before I ask the final question. And oh, Jeremy, oh, I, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I do have another question, but go ahead. All <laughs> right. No, I have, you go ahead first, and then I'll. Sorry, and and Jeff is familiar with my just jumping in. Well, we do it to each other. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's a familiar back and forth. Um, so, okay, I'm thinking I'm, I'm out there in the audience, and maybe I'm I'm a part of a local police department, sheriff's department, and I hear you talking. Uh, so, Jeremy, and, and this is again, I'm kind of putting myself in their shoes, and they're kind of wondering. So, okay, what's the takeaway? Why should we be interested in doing it in our department? Why is it, what would you say is a reason why it could potentially help them? I know it's not a guarantee. There's no silver bullet, but if that person out there who's, who's in a a department that maybe where they're going, Hey, we, we've been dealing with the complaints or, Hey, we wish we could, what would you say to say to those folks? Well, you know, it's all about police community relations and, you know, where does that start? You know, we can have focus groups. We can bring everybody to the table but in, in the end, it's, a, it's that one-on-one interaction for police. You know, it's the officer that meets you in your house on the worst day that you're, you know, on your worst day, you know. And so mm. what the takeaway is, is that we really are having that police community relation. By being emotionally intelligent, we're really forming that bond on an individual basis. But on the flip side, you know, on the backside is it reduces our complaints. It reduces us using our for, you know, um, force. I mean, it really, it really can. I mean, again, you have to use it at times, but it really does reduce that, which reduces injuries, which reduces lawsuits, which, you know, you can, the whole trickle down effect is, is, is amazing. But the real thing is that, that police community relation, because it's pretty good to work in a town where the community really backs you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't happen anywhere. I, I am fortunate. I do live in a town where the community as a whole, backs us or our city council backs us. And, you know, I think that's one of the things we want to maintain and and the way we can do that is in one-on-one and these one-on-one interactions that we have every single day, multiple times a day. Eric actually asked the question I was going to ask. So see how powerful I am, Jeremy. I have the ability to read Jeff's mind. I I kept it a secret, but the secret's out now. (laughs) So Jeremy, I really, really appreciate. Absolutely. Um, the time you've shared with us, I am so still impressed with how much enthusiasm and passion that I know I've seen with you and Nancy and and Rick when I got to meet them in person and the way it's going through the force. Would uh, you have any problem with if somebody wanted to contact you? No, not at all. I, 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 I like I said, I like talking about it, so I'd be more than happy to. So just like contact them through the police. The Duke. Well, was because uh, I, what I was going to say is, Jeremy, we can get um, your information, whatever that information you feel comfortable sharing in our show notes. Yeah. Uh, so if, if there are some people that want to learn more about what you guys have done there and then, you know, obviously sure. within our work, um, we'll certainly um, we're appreciative of that as well. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Most definitely. All right, Jeremy, have a wonderful day. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll catch you soon. Thanks for subscribing and listening to the Spirit of EQ podcast with Jeff East and Eric Pennington. Spirit of EQ is a preferred partner of Six Seconds, the Emotional Intelligence Network. Six Seconds is a nonprofit organization researching what works in emotional intelligence. 
Best practices are shared through methods and tools that are global, scientific, and transformational. To find out more about Spirit of EQ or to request a speaker, go to spiritofeq.com. Our contact information is in the podcast show notes as well. And now for our special offer. Hi, everyone. This is Eric again. Glad that you tuned in to our most recent show with Jeremy Jensen of the Dubuque Police Department. If any of you out there would like to get connected with Jeremy to learn more about what they've done with emotional intelligence, you can reach out to us at info at spiritofeq.com and we'll be more than happy to make an introduction. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So to we're, hear. we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. But, all right. But, but not, still, not totally we want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.